0: Welcome, 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 and greetings from Elfie's World, the place where we try to, well, bring you a little fun, pique your interest, and, you know, maybe, maybe even give you an opportunity to learn a thing or two about history. Boy, that wouldn't be so bad, would it? Hey, I'm so glad you decided to join us. Now, today, we're presenting another program from our collection of stories entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales. Now, these are true stories which have, well, they've often been maybe excluded from the pantheon of history or, well, maybe not given quite the attention they deserve for, eh, for whatever reason. My name is Elfie Wolfram, hey, and, and I hope you enjoy our presentation. This is episode number 53, and it is entitled Against All Odds. So, hey, kick back. Relax, and enjoy. In the very early years of aviation, this had to have been one of the most historic, yet least heralded events to ever take place. It was one of the very first attempts to fly across this vast nation of ours, coast to coast, from New York City all the way to California. Now, today, this trip is commonplace, taken by thousands of people each day. (laughs) But not then. Remember, this was a time when the maximum speed of an airplane was only about 50 to 60 miles an hour. Now, the year was 1911 less than eight short years after the Wright brothers had made their first historic flight. The pilot was a 32-year-old named Gabriel Perry Rogers. As a child, Rogers had contracted scarlet fever, which left him deaf in one ear and hearing impaired in the other. Now, this effectively barred him from following in the family tradition of naval service. (laughs) But that didn't stop this courageous airman. Oh, no. He had actually learned to fly from Orville Wright himself. His plane was an original Wright biplane. Now, to say that Rogers had to make this trip by the seat of his pants, well, that's an understatement. He had no decent charts or maps, and almost no instruments. As for landing fields, well, they were almost non-existent. His plan was to follow railroad tracks across this vast expanse of our nation. Now it sounded like a good idea. Ah, but this poor fellow had no idea of the perils that lay ahead of him. The only thing he really had going for him was his determination. Now, lured by a $50,000 prize offered by publisher William Randolph Hearst to the first aviator who could fly coast to coast on September 17, 1911, Rogers took off from a small grass field near New York City, only to crash into a tree near Middleton, New York, after traveling a mere 74 miles. Well, more determined than ever, he was soon had that airplane repaired and was back in the air once more, only to almost destroy the plane in a crash near Elmira, New York. This time he had traveled a whopping 174 miles. Ah, but this was just the beginning. After flying 131 miles to Salmananca, New York, Rogers hit a barbed wire fence, and then, after another 69 miles, he crashed once more near Hornell, New York. And so, after four accidents, and having traveled less than 450 miles, he hadn't even left the state of New York. (laughs) Ah, but Rogers was prepared. Yes, he had made provisions for a car and a train to follow him the entire way. Now, in actuality, these combined to create a complete repair shop on wheels for our intrepid flyer. Well, in no time at all, he had that plane repaired and got back in the air, only to crash once more. Ah, but on he flew. In Indiana, a crash almost completely destroyed the plane yet again. It did not, however, dampen Roger's spirit. Twice he broke a piston. And once he even fell out of the plane 200 feet in the air, only to have it crash once more. And did this uh, daredevil ever make it to Sunny California? Did he complete the trip coast to coast? Well Well, as a matter of fact, he did. On December tenth, 1911, almost three months after his initial takeoff, he landed uh, what was left of his plane in Long Beach, California. After flying a short distance over the Pacific Ocean, Rogers landed on the beach, then taxied his plane into the warm waters of the Pacific. About 50 1000 people came to witness the completion of this first transcontinental flight. Now, this trip meandered over a total of 4231 miles. It required 68 stops and featured 15 crashes. When he landed in California, there was hardly a single original part left on his plane. When he totaled it up, he discovered that the parts that he had used to repair his plane during the flight, well, they could have built four entire new planes. Sadly, Rogers would not experience his fame for long. Less than four months later, on April 3, 1912, While making an exhibition flight over Long Beach, California, he flew into a flock of birds, causing the plane to crash into the ocean. His neck was broken, and his thorax was damaged by the engine of the airplane. He died a few minutes later at the age of thirty-three, only a few hundred feet from where he had ended his historic transcontinental flight. Ah, but he made history. Galbraith Perry Rogers had completed the very first transcontinental flight in 84 days. And um, how long does it take to make this flight today? Uh, About six hours. But as for this tale of a most determined airman, well, it can only be described as amazing and aeronautically true. Well, there you have it. Episode number 53 entitled Against All Odds. It's a part of our weekly series entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales. Now, each week, well, you know, we really feel privileged to present for your enjoyment and edification a brand new audio story from our collection of amazing but true counts from history. Now, some of these narratives come from our book entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales of American History and More. Now, listen, listen, as a listener to this program, Did you know you are entitled to purchase autographed copies of our original book, Elfie's Amazing But True Tales of American History and More, at half the publisher's price of $13.95 or a mere $7 per book. And listen, that includes shipping and handling anywhere within the United States. Well, listen, for more information merely go to elfysworld.com, that's A-L-F-Y-S-W-O-R-L-D, Elfiesworld.com and click on Elfie the Writer for more information. And now, I would like to thank the following for helping to make this program possible. First, Garrett Wolfram, our technical producer and supervisor. The late Irene Wolfram, principal editor and provider of Sage Council. Expert Publishing, for their help in editing and publishing our book. Lucas Ganza Anna Wals for the Parlor Guitar Magic Set. Joe Payne, for the Trumpet Fanfare. Herbert Boland for his Piano Mood Happy Four. And finally, the thousands of readers who have supported our efforts from the beginning.